From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. So, J.R., Democratic Governor Tony Evers essentially fired DWD Secretary Caleb Frostman late last week. It happened amid a huge backlog of unprocessed unemployment claims that had piled up since the state shut down in March because of the coronavirus pandemic. Evers called for Frostman's departure on Friday, and he resigned shortly thereafter. Republicans who control the legislature had been criticizing Evers for months over the department's inability to process tens of thousands of claims. Were you surprised by this development? Uh, Surprised, no, but I also say it wasn't necessarily expected. Um, If you kind of pull back and look at this, there hasn't been a lot of progress on the backlog, even as the state has put a lot more bodies on the issue. Uh, Go back to late May, Caleb Frostman went before a Senate committee and testified about, you know, what was slowing things down, talked about how, what they're going to do, and so that he expected this backlog could be resolved by about, by October. Well, we're getting close to October. If you go back and look, when Frostman testified for that Senate committee, a little more 11% of the weekly claims have been filed with the agency hadn't been processed. Fast forward to mid-September, and that number is down to just 10.9%. There hasn't been much change. That's even from going from around 600 people working on unemployment to more than 1,500. So something had to change. The governor also seemed to be frustrated with what was going on. Uh, one of my sources told me that this was prompted by that frustration, that nothing was really moving on this front. So that had to be a change. And the question becomes now is, okay, you've changed the leader of the agency. How is that going to change the solution to this problem? Um, they've got a number of bodies on it already. What's going to be different? And so this doesn't resolve the problem for Evers. It just is one step in the process of, okay, they've changed leadership. Now they got to do something else to fix the problem because we're getting up to October and the backlog has not been fixed. It has been stagnant. So what are they going to do differently going forward? Also last week, President Trump and Vice President Mike Pence made campaign stops in Wisconsin again. Trump held a rally in Mosinee in which he again delivered a law and order message and slammed Democratic nominee Joe Biden for his economic policies when he was vice president. Meanwhile, Pence stumped for four more years of a Trump administration at an appearance in Janesville. The election is now only six weeks away. Do you think Trump will continue to push these familiar themes with Wisconsin voters? Well, it's interesting um, what we're seeing on the ground versus on the air from the Trump campaign. So obviously he's talking law and order. He is talking cultural issues. He's trying to drive his base, which is perceived to be largely a white and blue collar. But we're also seeing on the air now uh, more of a focus on the economy. If you look at poll, the Marquette University Law School poll, the economy has consistently been uh, Trump's, Trump's best-selling point. He gets his highest marks for handling the economy. Um, it comes to COVID, the protests, not nearly as good. So there's a dual track there, and you're seeing it delivered a message when it's, it's his base is, is those most uh, enthusiastic supporters, like the Mosinee rally, He's talking more about those cultural issues, but when it's on the air, when a wider swath of people, it's a little more of an economic message right now. 
There also seems to be a pattern developing in the frequency of visits to Wisconsin for the Trump campaign, as well as for the campaign of Democratic nominee Joe Biden. He's going to be in Manitowoc today, while Mike Pence is stopping in Eau Claire on Thursday. With six weeks left until the election, do you think we can expect almost weekly visits from them? Well, I don't know if we're going to see weekly visits. It's all going to depend on how Wisconsin fits in the puzzle of the presidential race come later this fall. Uh, you will see with two or three weeks to go, the, uh, the places the campaigns are visiting more frequently, but the place is truly in play. So if we're still a tipping point in the race come mid to late October, then yeah, you're going to see a lot of visits. I don't know if I go weekly just yet, but you'll see frequent um, stops from probably at least the Trump campaign, likely the Biden campaign too, because they've been ramping things up in terms of public appearances. But it just all it depends on that, that map fits together. Because remember, you know, both campaigns are trying to figure out their path to 207 electoral votes. And we've always assumed that the map for Trump included Wisconsin. But, you know, there are problems popping up. There are places like Arizona, which is suddenly way competitive and even has some polls with, with Biden ahead. Um, Trump is trying to bring places like Minnesota into play, Nevada. So there are alternate past 270 for both campaigns and you know it's a wide open playing field right now usually you we thought we i should say we started the year thinking that maybe a half dozen states would be in play that we're talking maybe 10 maybe 12 that they're at least eyeing or thinking about or doing stuff in so it's not it's not determined yet that final pathway to the nominate to the presidency but right now it's a good bet that we're going to be part of that that combination toward the end. In another development, Republican Assembly Speaker Robin Voss said last week he doubts Republicans will get a veto-proof or supermajority in that chamber in November. Right now, the GOP holds 63 seats, but would need to pick up three more in the Assembly to potentially override every one of Evers' vetoes. Why do you think Voss has doubts? Well, he's downplaying expectations a little bit, but also he's trying to figure out how the winds are going to blow with the president top of the ticket. If President Trump does well, it improves Republicans' chances for, you know, getting a two-thirds majority. But if we get to, you know, say mid-October and Trump's not doing well and he's struggling in the suburbs, well, that's not great for Republicans. They've got a number of suburban seats around the Milwaukee area to defend. So... You know, that's something that Robin Voss has got to keep in mind. Also, don't forget the president um, knowing that the suburbs are a struggle, knowing that the urban areas are not going to be great for him. He's been trying to supercharge his base in rural areas. Well, that's where three of the seats Republicans are, are targeting are located, right? Steve Doyle out in Alaska and western Wisconsin. Nick Milroy and Beth Myers up in northern Wisconsin. They're places that Trump did well four years ago. The question is, can he replicate that or even do better? than he did four years ago. Will those places perform the way they did before? If they do, then Voss has got a better shot. It's just the the, the combination of pieces of fall in place at two-thirds majority is kind of tough. I mean, give Robin Voss credit. The maps that he helped draw a decade ago almost are great for Republicans. They help build that majority, but they don't explain 63 seats. Uh, Robin and his caucus have overperformed in seats that had you know, voted Democratic top of the ticket in the past, especially in southwestern Wisconsin. But they have done well to build that majority, the number it's at. It's just that when you're that big a majority, it's hard to get bigger. And it also exposes you to a challenging environment to losing seats. And Robin Voss, um, like people point out to me, he's never lost an incumbent 
he, he's lost his seat, but that was an open one before, but never lost an incumbent at the time he's been Speaker of the Assembly. That's going to be challenged this fall if the president struggles. I mean, that's, and that's thing we don't know yet. I mean, yeah, we've seen some polls he's down by 10 points, but when I talk to people who are kind of engaged in campaigns, there's a sense that this is not a blowout, that there's a, it's a tighter race than that. So you just got to kind of keep paying attention and see the trends go between now and mid-October, and we'll maybe a better feel by then about where that, that race for the assembly seats are, is headed. Moving on to another topic, Democratic Governor Tony Evers has pardoned nine more people who've been convicted of felonies. This brings the total number of pardons to 65 since he took office. Evers' predecessor, Republican Governor Scott Walker, didn't pardon anybody during the eight years he was in office and ended up abolishing the pardons board. Evers then reinstated the board when he was elected. Why do you think Evers is issuing so many pardons? Well, you know, the governor, Governor Evers, believes in second chances. That's what he keeps saying when he issues the pardons, that he believes these folks deserve a second chance. A lot of these cases are, you know, 20, 30, 40 years old. Uh, a lot of them involve drug cases, uh, minor drug offenses from a long time ago. That's been the bulk of what he's done so far. Now there are, you know, some other unique cases that are in the uh, stack of what he's pardoned so far. But, you know, there's also, you know, for Governor Walker, Part of the reason why I didn't do any pardons was there's always a risk. If you pardon somebody and he or she reoffends, that'll come back and bite you in a reelection campaign. So that was part of what, you know, played into his thinking. Plus, two, his argument was that, you know, once a jury and judge issue sentence, then that's that. You know, the person earned that, that sentence, and that should be, not be questioned. Um, for Evers, I don't get the impression from talking to people that that's his line of thinking, that this is anything to worry about come reelection time. And there's been obviously a move toward you know, an overhaul of the criminal justice program and a reexamination of our sentencing policies in this country. So uh, much like President Trump has done stuff at the federal level, um, Governor Evers is doing stuff at the state level. And finally, the statewide mask requirement is set to expire a week from today. Governor Evers has indicated that he may extend it. Do you think he will, even though the group Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty has filed a lawsuit to overturn it? Uh, well, let's kind of break that apart. One, Governor Evers has sent every indication or every message he could that he wants to extend it. The question is when he's going to do it. And in talking to people, um, as this is kind of percolated, the, one of the feedbacks I've heard is the business community would rather have it, have it sooner rather than later so they can prepare uh, to extend this. The second piece about that will lawsuit, while the lawsuit would eventually get at the governor's power to issue such a mandate, Will is not looking for a, a a directive right now or order from the court that would end the mandate. If you look at how it approached that lawsuit, one, it didn't go straight to the Supreme Court. Remember, Will has not been shy about going directly to the court, Supreme Court and asking that a conservative majority take cases directly. It went to a circuit court first, which means we were going to have a, a trial in circuit court, likely an appeal to the appeals court, and then the Supreme Court, which that process could take months, if not you know, more than a year. So this is more about the principle of the power the governor has than it is about an immediate end of the mask mandate because Will did not ask in its lawsuit for an injunction preventing enforcement of that mandate. So I don't know that the, that lawsuit in Polk County will come into play if Evers extends it. Now, I'm not saying there's no chance of that, but that's not the immediate goal of Will in finding that lawsuit. It's more about that, that greater question of what are the limits of a governor's power in a health emergency, and is this a new emergency? Remember, the governor issued the stay-at-home order uh, back in the spring under the original health declaration. 
He issued a new health declaration as part of this new mask mandate. The question is, is this new, a new health declaration or is this just a continuation of what we've had for the last six months? That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.